0: Welcome to episode 11 of the Daniel Yoris podcast with my guest today, Juan Salgado. Let's go. In this episode, I had the pleasure of speaking with Juan Salgado, who is a competitive powerlifter, personal trainer, and business owner out in California. Now, Juan is not someone that I know personally in in real life. And so this was certainly a first for me in terms of the podcast, but we chatted on the phone and connected a little bit previous to this so that I knew that we would be on the same page about a lot of things. And we have a very similar way of considering fitness and life and how it all ties together. So I was uh, very confident that we would hit it off really well and have a great chat. And it was a really great chat. It was a lot of fun and I really enjoyed it. A couple of the things that we got into was talking about powerlifting and how powerlifting can also be utilized on sort of a less competitive scale to reach your fitness goals in terms of just reaching for something that is positive and adding something to your life as in adding strength rather than always trying to think about losing body fat or whatever else it is. Another overarching theme that we both agreed on is that consistency is the key to all of this in life and in business is outlasting the competition and just keep going, keep going, keep going, and be authentic as much as you can. Lastly, we talked a little bit about um, nutrition. Juan has a new ebook that he's recently come out with to help guide you to navigate eating out in social settings while not derailing your health goals. Coming out of COVID we're all going to want to be seeing our friends and go out for meals and whatnot, but we're also all trying to get back in shape. And so these two things can somewhat be conflicting at times. And I think this is a really great resource that will help you a lot. So give this episode a listen. I had a really great time recording it. It was a lot of fun and I hope to continue to connect with Juan and do this again sometime. But if you have any questions, always feel free to reach out to either of us. And here it is, my conversation with Juan Salgado. Juan, thanks for sitting down with me today, man. I really appreciate your time.
1: Thank you for having me, man. I'm excited to be here.
0: Yeah, it's been a pleasure. This came about a couple of weeks ago. We connected um, through Instagram, and you know, just scrolling through your profile and stuff. But uh, we, we didn't previously know each other. We chatted on the phone last week, very briefly, and um, I think we have a lot in common. So I'm really excited for this,
1: dude. Yeah, man. I, I I agree. So I can't wait to get into some good conversations and have some fun.
0: Absolutely. So why don't you? Why don't we just start off? Um, introduce yourself. Tell me where you're from. Kind of what you do, and to all the listeners.
1: Yeah. So I am from Santa Ana, California. For those of you who don't know, that's probably about an hour away from Los Angeles. Everybody knows where Los Angeles is from. So you could probably guess. And uh, I am a competitive powerlifter. I am a online coach. I am a personal trainer. I am the CEO of my business called Chosen Ones Training. And pretty much uh, I, I always tell people I'm just like a nerdy kid who got into fitness and got into weights and uh, who's just trying to still find himself in life.
0: Absolutely. I, I love that. I think a lot of us get into it for some other reason. And, you know, some of us come from a, like a sports background, played soccer, football, baseball, whatever, growing up. And then you just kind of, that dream dies, but then some of us find it in other ways, right?
1: Yeah, I actually, so I used to be really obsessed with basketball. Like that's, that's kind of how I got into fitness. In uh, when I started playing basketball, a lot of coaches told me that I was like a very skinny kid and, the only way that I could probably make it to like the next level is that I had to build a lot of muscle. So since I obviously couldn't get any taller, I was stuck at five foot six. They said, you have to put at least like 30 pounds of muscle on there, on your body. And um, I ended up trying to get into the gym and right in like my senior year, right before the season started, I ended up uh, tearing some ligaments on my ankle and my basketball career was pretty much done, but I ended up falling in love with the weights and that ended up becoming like my passion in life.
0: It's so interesting to me how many... People like us have found, you know, become a coach through some type of traumatic injury. Like myself, I had a bunch of whole, a whole bunch of knee injuries that like ruined my soccer career. Not that I was, you know, whatever, but ruined my soccer career and then, and then found all this. I find it so fascinating that this is such a common thing among coaches.
1: Yeah, it is. I've met, I've met so many coaches like that too. And, uh, that, you know, what kind of gets me like really excited just about, about that is that powerlifting and just fitness in general has grown to like, You've seen you see some like crazy athletes, and I don't even think we've seen like the best athletes come to like our sports yet. Like I don't think we've seen the best bodybuilders or the best powerlifters because a lot of the the best athletes are probably doing like football or basketball, soccer or stuff like that.
0: <laughs> yeah, and I think it's probably a a cause of just like money and mainstream attention, right? Like there's not as much money in powerlifting or Olympic weightlifting or anything like that, but. You know, you look at an NFL contract. It's like, oh, that's that's where I want to be famous on TV, the Nike commercials, and all that.
1: Yeah, exactly. I always tell people like you you can't get into powerlifting for the money because there is there is absolutely no money in powerlifting.
0: <laughs> yeah, and it's and it's also it's just so hard that you can't you can't do you can't go through the grind of of powerlifting, and people don't understand what it's like to. I mean, it's one thing to get stronger in the gym. It's another thing to increase your squat from seven hundred to eight hundred, or from eight hundred to a thousand. Like. That is a whole another level from getting to, you know, 135 to to 140,
1: right? Yeah, it has to become your life. If you're going to do powerlifting too, it's sure you could do it as a hobby, but it has to become more than that because it really, it's not like, I guess, like if you're into like shooting guns and stuff like that, where you just kind of go to like the driving range, like once a week and then you shoot for a little while and then you just kind of go about your life. Like with powerlifting in order for you to succeed in it, everything in your life has to change. Like your lifestyle habits, you probably can't be going out to eat, uh, to eat like, or and drink the night before, like a squat day. You have to get mentally prepared for it, which takes about like an hour for it. You have to start getting like massages frequently. You have to get a coach. Like it has, it really takes over your life so much that like you can't, you can't half-ass it, you know?
0: I imagine it imposes a, a good kind of discipline. I, I'm not a power lifter and I have no aspirations to be, but I imagine it imposes a, a, a very uh, powerful discipline that probably helps you coordinate all of the other things you do, like running your business and coaching your own clients.
1: It does. And I, that's kind of like the whole like message behind my brand Chosen Ones training is that well, I do care a lot about people getting like that 500 squat, getting abs and stuff like that. But I think like everything, everything that I've ever gotten in my life, I learned that that's beautiful. I've learned from fitness, like I, everything that I learned about how to get a nice body, I applied that to my business and I feel like that's why my business was able to take off. So yeah, I always tell people like, it makes no sense for you to be super strict and disciplined in the gym. And then like you're slacking in your career, you know?
0: (laughs) Yeah. It's, it's very common that, I mean, I went to, um, like a youth Leadership camp years ago when I was a kid, and it was in California actually. And one of the very common things I mean, we were all kids, but these are all people who were kind of on the path to some various forms of success. And everybody was an athlete. And it's like when you, you know, when someone's busy or someone has something to do or there's something that has to be done, if you have a bunch of things that have to get done, you're going to make time for the important things. But it's like when you got nothing going on, you're not focused or have any imposed discipline on yourself, that's when it becomes so hard to actually be disciplined in the other things that matter.
1: Yeah, for sure. It, it's like, uh, it goes back to that one, like famous phrase that how you do anything is how you do everything. Yeah. If you are disciplined in the gym, like you wake up in the morning and you hit this hard workout, it usually tends to carry over on. to the rest of the day and what I learned, the biggest lesson that I learned in fitness and, and powerlifting is that consistency is everything like just outlast the competition and in, in business too. That's how it is. Most people quit after about a year because they just don't, they, their business doesn't take off like how they want to. And I just remember like, think to myself, like, Hey, I once plateaued with my deadlift when I was trying to get 500, like, this is no different, you know?
0: Yeah. I love that. I, that's something that I preach all the time. And I'm, I'm, you know, any good coach will preach that consistency is the number one thing. A lot of people see the end product. They see you hit that 500 deadlift, whatever it is. And it's like, wow, I want to be like that guy. But you know, they didn't see the previous five, six, 10 years of work that went into that.
1: Yeah. Yeah. And, and, uh, I remember also like there was a, there was a time too, when like I was trying to get to the 500 deadlift where like everything that I was just doing was like not, not going right. I ran so many different programs. I like tried all these different diets and it wasn't until I finally was just like, man, I'm going to get a coach for this, like to have somebody teach me once I got a coach is when I ended up doing it. And uh, I took that same mindset to business too, where I ended up hiring like business mentors, business coaches, who also helped me kind of take it to the next level.
0: Yeah, there's so much stuff that we don't know. Like no one can know everything about everything, right? And there's definitely no no shame in in reaching out for help and anything. If you want to reach the next level again in business and fitness or, or anything, there's always value in getting help from someone who's a little bit ahead of you.
1: Yeah, that, that's why I read a lot of books too, because uh, whenever you read books, essentially you're kind of like learning other people's mistakes. And they say that uh, a smart person learns from their mistakes, a wise person learns from the mistakes of others. So I'm always trying to, I'm always trying to like educate myself with, with anything like that. I'm always watching like different YouTube videos, uh, reading like audible, uh, listening to audibles, reading books, podcasts, just try to learn as much because they, they, they also say that, you know, 10,000 10, hours is how you reach mastery. So the quickest way to just do that is just like always put in work.
0: Yeah. And just over time and just again and again and again. Right now, when you were when you were looking for a coach, because you know what you're doing, you understand fitness and all the base principles. What exactly were you looking for in a coach?
1: So I wanted to find somebody who I felt like aligned with some of the views that I already had. So I'm I'm a very like evidence based approach type of guy. Like I like reading a lot of the studies like that are coming out. Uh, I don't like implementing too many things if we don't have a lot of data to back that up. And there's a lot of coaches out there who kind of just like tend to wing it or they kind of are more anecdotal. And not to say that anecdotal experience is bad, but I think you need to have the science like base as a like as the science as a foundation, as a background. And then you could start applying your anecdotal stuff. So I wanted a coach who kind of did that. And on top of that, I wanted somebody who's just like who seemed like a good guy, too, because there's a lot of other like really like strong guys that I saw like online, but they kind of just seem like dicks. So I don't want to, I don't want to work with somebody like that. So yeah, my very first coach that I hired was uh, Bryce Lewis. And um, he really like embodied a lot of those traits that I, that I looked for on a coach that I kind of now aspire to be too.
0: Yeah. Just because someone is good at something, it doesn't mean that they're a good coach at that thing. And that's not a, you know, a diss on anyone at anything, like some of the best players in the world, in the hockey world, you know, Wayne Gretzky was the, one of the greatest hockey players, if the greatest hockey player and wasn't that great of a coach. And we've seen this across all sports. Right.
1: Yeah. Michael Jordan, it, it, Michael Jordan's is a perfect example. Like he drafted Kwame Brown. And for those of you who don't know, Kwame Brown is like one of the worst NBA players that ever lived.
0: <laughs> exactly. Now, I guess taking it back to more um, general population clients, what would you say are some of the things that someone who's not a powerlifter just looking to get into fitness and kind of improve their health generally should be looking for when looking for a coach, whether that's in person or online now?
1: Yeah, no, Number one, I would say is that a uh, communication style, make sure that the style of communication that the trainer that you want provides is like is what is what you're looking for. So what I mean by that is that I've met certain trainers or coaches who they don't give their phone numbers to their clients. Like they, uh, they just do email or something like that. And usually those trainers are, are going to be a little cheaper. If like, that's okay with you, then you go ahead and do that. But I prefer to look for a coach that like, I have his phone number. I can text them will usually respond like within the day because I've had situations before where like it was like, let's say a Friday and like my shoulder was bugging me and I wouldn't hear from him until like Monday. And if Monday was a holiday, like I wouldn't hear from him until Tuesday. So that was just like four days of like me freaking out. So I like a coach where I can like reach out to him and like from his phone number and then maybe even like hop on like a phone call at least like once a month. So number one, is like I said, it's communication style. There's some coaches who also like they'll even allow you to like send them videos and like, they'll respond also like, like uh, within, within the day to like telling you, Hey, fix this or fix that. The, there's a lot of, there's a lot of online coaches who I've met that don't do that. But like, again, like I said, they're, they're a little cheaper. So that's number one thing, make sure that the communication style works. Number two, I would say is make sure that they have transformed somebody uh, or gotten several people to the results that you want. So if you want to lose hundred pounds, it would make a very much sense to find a trainer who's also helped a few people lose hundred pounds. If you've never helped anybody like lose hundred pounds, it's like a whole different type of style of coaching. So yeah, you want to have somebody like that. Another example is, is if like, let's say you want to be a record holder in the squat, like you would want to see, you would want to hire a trainer who's helped somebody get there before. Um, and the third thing that I would say, this one's not so important, but if you are a beginner, you probably do want a trainer that's kind of somewhat in your area, like at least dri- driving uh, like range, because you are most likely going to want to develop like a good relationship with that trainer. And if you're, if they're within like 20 or 30 minute drive, when you can see them at least once a month, you'll probably end up developing like a that, that good relationship where you can feel comfortable like opening up about things and like, you can, you know that, Hey, if something's like struggling, like something's like going wrong, I could go and like meet them up for like a session one-on-one in person.
0: Yeah. There's so much that can't be communicated through, through online, even through video chats or whatever, because there's something about being in person with someone, especially when you're brand new to exercise. It's one thing, you know, someone who's experienced to give them a cue even through text or through email, but to give someone who's brand new a cue to, you know, push their knee out, tuck your elbow back. And it's like, well, I don't know how to do that. Yeah. So you, you as the coach kind of need to be there to almost physically like guide them and use physical touch as a cue to help them with that.
1: Yeah, exactly. Exactly. And then like some people, for example, like I give, uh, I give, a, I give an online training and in-person training, uh, for my programs that I offer. And I have some people who say like, oh, I can't afford the, the in-person training. So I'll just do the online and uh, it helps a lot if they're right there, like within like a 30 minute drive or something like that, where we could at least meet up like one time a month. Uh, the thing about like my very first online coach that I liked is that he was affordable. Uh, how he, was, he was only like through email, like communication, which I kind of didn't really like, but um, he, he was, uh, every time that he did respond, he would respond in like a very good manner. He would respond with like videos and stuff like that. Like, he was very um, attentive, like, when he was talking to me in our Zoom calls once a month. The thing that that I didn't like, though, was that he was, like, in a whole different, different like, part of the country. He was, like, five states away from where I was. So I never got to see him in person. And I didn't mind that because I really liked him. Like, I really wanted to work with him. Some people, sometimes they really like somebody, but they need to be able to see them at least once a month. But what sucks is that they don't live anywhere within like the area that they live in. So yeah, like always just kind of like figure out what you feel like you'll need to progress and then work with them. And then if you don't like it, it's okay. Just like look, do research and find somebody
0: else. Yeah. You're always allowed to get a second opinion. Right. And I think a lot of these things, it comes back to I mean, it depends on what you want. So if someone is looking for more technical powerlifting uh, coaching, then you need a coach who's technical at that. And there can be a, if it's for sport, there can be a a little bit less element of being friends and handholding. But if you're a regular, you know, regular general population person, just trying to like get a little bit fit, it's way more beneficial. I would imagine to have a coach who's in your area so that you can have that more personal relationship with them because the angle of your of your knee again, just keep using this example. doesn't matter as much for someone who's not being competitive at, at sport.
1: Yeah. And and then I've even just noticed like my clients who end up sticking around the longest are usually people who we have like just a good relationship. Like we're friends and stuff. You usually just end up opening up to people like that a lot better. Like for example, if let's say you're going through some like troubles, like financially or something like that. And, you probably need somebody to like talk to i've noticed that the clients that i wasn't close to they would just like ghost me and they would like stop messaging me but the clients who like were kind of going through like some issues they could open up to me about it they wouldn't feel like bad and i would just tell them hey okay we could start back up like next week or something like that once you do get your uh finances in in order but other people like they sometimes feel embarrassed to say that. So they ghost you. And then th- then they feel embarrassed the fact that they did ghost you. So they just like never end up reaching back out to you again. <laughs>
0: the, the analogy I always use is like, you know, people talk about, uh, you know, you gossip with your with your barber or, or the hairdresser. Right. But, you know, you don't get your haircut every day or every week. It's it's a couple, you know, once a month maybe or, or a couple times a year or whatever. and And there's a lot of gossip there. But with your coach, you're with that person one on one or in a small group setting several times a week. For, for hours at a time or for an hour at a time. And so, you know, this relationship, there's not that many people in our life who we spend one-on-one time with several hours a week. And so that relationship becomes very deep and in, in a way that is, is different from, I think, all the rest of our relationships. And so things just open up. And if you are a good coach and, and you have that good uh, rapport with your clients and yeah, things are going to come up that are totally outside of the gym, right? Just regular life situations that you're, you know, you become friends.
1: Yeah, the, I was actually just talking about that the other day at the gym. That like I see some some people at the gym more than like I see my own parents. Like, yeah. So yeah, it really helps a lot if you all to go back to the, the other question is that it really also helps a lot if you look for a trainer where you, you you guys will have good chemistry. You guys will have a good bond and stuff like that. That's what social media is super powerful. Like I've had some clients who kind of like researched me for like almost a year before they ended up hiring me like they just followed me online and they like saw who I was and they were just like, Hey, like, I trust you. Like I've seen you online. I've seen the things that you talk about. So I know that like we'll have a really good rapport and we'll get along when, once we start working together. So yeah, that also goes back to social media, like just being super powerful.
0: <laughs> in, in your experience and playing off that, are, do you find that other people or, or in, in you looking for a coach that sometimes people can be, inauthentic on social media. And so you think that they are one way you can follow them for a year or two years, and then you actually hire them and it's totally different.
1: Yeah, for sure. And I don't want to say any names, but I have worked with people like that before too, where they were just not like who I thought they were like online. Uh, and once I ended up working with them, like they didn't care. They made it seem like they did care a lot online. And then when I finally got to working with them. They, they weren't like that it seemed like all they wanted was the money and I've heard a lot of other experiences like that too of clients who have who have come to me and i th- I think it's just because it's so easy like you just you get a nice body probably you were, some people were probably genetically gifted and then everybody just asks you like hey do you offer coaching so without even like coaching being your priority like your passion in life you just do it because you see it's like a quick money grab and, and uh, I actually I, I see this happen all the time I just had a client who competed for it in its very very first First competition didn't really doesn't really know much about fitness he just did it and he did really well and then uh he told me that like after like 24 hours of posting his like video online like he had like two people reach out to him for coaching (laughs) (laughs) okay he was nice about it and he was just like hey like hit up my coach like i don't know anything he knows what he's talking about but like imagine the other people who just like are bliss are blessed genetically and they just have great bodies without really knowing much and they probably get hella dms of people saying like Hey, like, what'd you do? Take my money, help me get a nice body.
0: (laughs) Yeah. It's crazy. It's definitely, it's definitely a problem in this industry and I don't know what the solution is. I guess it's the barrier to entry in terms of certification and whatnot is, is quite low, but I feel like, you know, the, 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 cream always rises to the top, right? The good coaches will always be there. There will always be a demand for good coaches. Maybe someone's first coach will just be that, you know, good looking guy or girl online who doesn't really know much. You hire that person. It's, People are not dumb. You realize very quickly that they don't know what they're talking about. And then you'll find a good coach after that.
1: Yeah. And I have a good story for that too. So when I first got my very first personal training job, I was the youngest person at my gym and I have a baby face. Like I'm 27 years old, but I look like I'm 18. So, and my very first personal training job, I was 19. So I looked like I was 15 and I actually had a hard time trying to find a personal training job. Like nobody wanted to hire me because they were just like, who's going to want to have you as your personal trainer when you look like a kid, you know? And on top of that, like I was coaching powerlifting. I wanted to coach powerlifting and it's hard to coach powerlifting at a commercial gym. And at this time, like barely anybody was into powerlifting. I pretty much, I had all the cards stacked against me to like, say like, you won't, I wouldn't be a good personal trainer. When I finally got my first personal training job, uh, this gym had already had like their set trainers who had a big clientele. And a lot of them would tell me like, yo, dude, it's going to be very hard for you to get clients right now. Like I, like, if I were you, they were pretty much telling me, like, if I were you, I would quit. I'd go find, like, a different gym. And I, from, I didn't quit because, like, I saw from their personal training styles, like, they just wouldn't last. Like, I could tell that they didn't care. They were, like, the type of trainers who were, like, on their phone, who were sitting down while they were, like, working with their clients. They were giving people, like, cookie cutter programs and stuff. Like, I just... I knew that there was no way that these people could like be better a better trainer than I was. So I stuck with it. And after about three months, I ended up having the most clientele there. And after about like six months, I started seeing like some of their clients were like coming up to me and saying, like, hey dude, like I see like how you are and the relationships that you have with your clients. Like I wanna work with you because like this guy over here is like he hasn't updated my program in like two months and like he's never even asked me about like my diet. He hasn't done my measurements, like you're right. The cream does rise to the top. Eventually like a lot of those bad trainers, like they will be found out.
0: Yeah. And it doesn't, it's very obvious even for people who don't understand fitness on a, you know, scientific level, so to speak. Right. It's because at the end of the day, another thing that I, I always kind of say is like we're, we're in the people business, like fitness is what we deliver, but really we're in the people relationship business. And that's what we do when, once someone likes you and you can connect with them as a, as a human, then, then the fitness stuff comes easily after that.
1: Yeah. Yeah, for sure. Yeah. You, in order to be successful as a personal trainer, your main priority has to be to just care because I've even, I've even seen like trainers who don't have like a scientific background. Like they probably didn't have great certifications. They're not that in good shape, but they just care so much about their clients and they end up doing very well.
0: And people feel that for sure. And and I think there has to be an element of that from the client as well. Like there has to be the ability to get buy-in, and that comes from someone who really cares. If you can tell that someone really cares, then, you know, at the end of the day, the client has to do the work. You can't do the squats for them. You can't deadlift for them. You can't, you know, eat healthy for them. But if they don't believe fully in what it is that you're teaching, then they're, they'll never do the work and they'll never get results. And it just doesn't help anybody.
1: Yep. Yep. Agreed.
0: Who do you work with now mostly? Is it mainly powerlifting clients or are you kind of uh, mixed all over the place?
1: I would say it's about 50, 50, 50% of the people come to me for powerlifting 50% of the people are just in it for weight loss. But I would say that it's like, it looks like it's starting to shift for me. I would say like, like, uh, I could see it definitely like changing and being more 70% powerlifting 30%, like weight loss, general population. Cause I personal train at a powerlifting gym and dude, this gym is so super intense. It's super dope. Like environments, the environment is awesome. I've had a lot of clients who just come to me saying like, Hey, I just want to lose shape for the summer. And then they're here at this gym and they end up wanting to like, just be a part of it. Like everybody there is preparing for a powerlifting meet. Everybody there is like trying to get their numbers up and it just kind of like rubs off on everybody. So yeah, 50, 50 right now, but, um, it's slowly transitioning.
0: Yeah. It's like that, um, environmental exposure kind of thing. I think that that's so valuable and something that We've been missing so much with all the closures and stuff like here in Toronto, everything's still closed and it doesn't look like it's opening anytime soon. So that's something that we're for sure missing a lot. Um, but I'm sure that a lot of your or, or several of your clients, they come in as a general population and then they kind of maybe they don't take powerlifting super seriously, but they would call themselves like an amateur powerlifter just being in that environment.
1: Yeah, I ha- so I have a client named Brianna Armenta. Uh, when she first came to me, she just wanted to get like in better shape. Then after that, um, she started getting a little bit like more confident in herself. We started like going a little bit heavier. She wasn't interested in powerlifting, but she just wanted to like get stronger. And, uh, her bench started taking off. She, she reached like a hundred pound bench press. Then she said, Hey, I think I want to do like a competition for fun. And as we were training for a powerlifting competition, her bench started skyrocketing. And we noticed that she, after her very first competition, we realized she was only like three pounds away from like the California state record bench press. Wow. And then after that, when she realized that she just like switched it into another gear and she was uh like just going really hard in the gym. And in her most recent competition, she ended up breaking that record. She ended up benching uh, 150 pounds, 150, 150 to 153 pounds weighing only 114 pounds. Amazing. Yeah. And uh, yeah. So that's kind of how it was. It's like people just started off. A lot of people start off as just like kind of want to do it for fun. And then they got really good at it and they wanted to pursue it even more.
0: I love that. And I, and I would imagine it, it definitely helps with the rest of their other goals that they initially came in for. One thing that I've been kind of thinking a lot about lately is a lot of people. And again, coming out of COVID people are going to be wanting to lose weight a lot. And again, approaching summer and all that stuff, people want to lose weight. And it kind of comes from a place of negativity. Like you're trying to lose something and I find that the constant barrage of I need to lose weight, I need to lose weight, I need to lose weight becomes very daunting on people. And then this is where the burnout comes in. And oh, I'm, I've been trying this for so long and it's not working. But when we find that we switch the mindset to getting stronger and you can call it powerlifting or you can call it just, you know, increasing your numbers kind of across the board in the gym then all the other stuff is going to fall into place anyways. But because you come into the gym kind of reinvigorated with this energy to improve at something and to aim at something, then everything else just tends to fall into place. And, and all the, and all the goals are reached through sort of the opposite means.
1: Dude. Yes. It's so, it's so true. So true. Because before, um, even for example, me, when I was try when I was first got into gym, into the gym, I was like doing bodybuilding and, lose, I was able to lose weight, but it was always such a struggle. Like I hated it because I was like tracking my macros for weight loss. But then when I shifted that mindset of like, Hey, I'm tracking my macros for gym performance. It's crazy how, even though it was probably the same macros that I would need for cutting, I was able to follow it a lot better. It didn't feel like I was depriving myself. Something about like, just knowing I was in a calorie deficit for weight loss, like that triggered something in my, my psychology where it just made me crave food even more. But when I was like, when I was eating something and I was telling myself, Hey, this is these, this, these carbs are going to help me get stronger in the gym. I looked forward to eating a lot more and I didn't feel like I was starving all the time.
0: Yeah. It's such an, it's such an interesting psychological shift. And I obviously am not a psychologist, so I don't know the, the root of it, but it seems that this kind of crosses a, a, every aspect of life where just coming at things from a place of positivity and growth is, is much more powerful than, than trying to take away and trying to tear things down.
1: Yeah, for sure. For sure.
0: So when you're working with these kind of people, do you start to sort of plant that seed? If you see that they have potential or that you see that it's something that they might benefit from, or do you sort of just kind of let them sort of take the reins a little bit and then guide them there when, when they start dropping hints that they're ready?
1: Uh, yeah, a little bit of both. Uh, some, so sometimes like I, I will see some clients who like, I'm just like, man, like they have, they're built to squat, like they don't even know it. Or I'll see some people who are just like, who they come into the gym and they're already kind of like somewhat strong, and I'm just like, dude, if you did powerlifting, you have absolutely no idea like how good you would be. So for example, um, like me when I first when I first stepped into the gym, I couldn't even squat the bar. The bar, like putting it on my traps, I had no muscle there and it hurt. Once once I finally built that upper trap muscle to squat it took me like six months to get to 135. And like, I've sometimes had some clients who like in their first month, they get to like a 225 squat. And like me without even like having to teach them much, like they already have like perfect squat form. And I'm in my mind, I just, and I always tell them, I just like, I'm all like, dude, if you did powerlifting and you wanted to do that, you would actually be really good. So I have a client named Jeanette Delgado. When she first came to me on her very first day like never stepped into the gym before. She was already able to squat the 45 plate 135. And within 20 minutes, I taught her the squat form and she learned it and it clicked. And I never once had to correct her again. Fast forward, she just broke the state, the California state squat record. She's a female, she squatted 430 pounds. Wow. 430. And that was with her, like me barely having to coach her. Like I just wrote her a program. I never had to like correct her telling her like, hey, push out your knees like this, but like don't let your knees cave in. It just like always clicked for her. And I found that there's so many people that are like that where they're born with a lot of talents. Most people I feel like are born kind of special or like gifted at something. It's just that most people never like see it through. So, yeah, usually I plant the seed uh, if I do feel like they they have potential with it. Uh, a lot of other times, it's just that they start feeling more confident in themselves and they reach their weight loss goals. And then it's like the feeling of, oh, what do I do now? Like I lost 30 pounds. What's the next step for me? How do I stay motivated in the gym? And then that's when I go, why not do a powerlifting meet?
0: <laughs> yeah, it's something to aim at. I had this one client and he was a great guy, had never really worked out and, and was dealing with a lot of um, you know personal stuff going on and started coming to the gym. He made a hell of a lot of progress, not physically gifted in, in, in any way. And we got up to a point where he was able to squat. Um, it was something like something like 115, something like that. And and you know the, our, our time kind of ended. And he said to me, I, I'll never forget this. He said, "This is the strongest that I've ever been. What do we do now?" And it really like it caught me off guard because I was like, "Well, like, what do you mean? Like, you just keep getting stronger. Like, this doesn't. We don't just. We didn't do all this work over the past whatever months and." it's just done. Like, there's gotta be some, some progression, but for someone who's not from the fitness world, so to speak, like, like you and I, it can be, it can be challenging to understand like, well, where do I take this and how do I make this last for the, for the rest of my life?
1: Yeah, for sure. I would say that that's like the, uh, the most common like <clears throat> struggle that I've seen with uh, a lot of people who, who I end up working with and like why they quit a lot of times it's because of that. It's like they reach their goals and they don't really know what to do and even after people reach a powerlifting meet, they still go through what's called the the post-meet blues, where, like, and everybody kind of goes through this, especially Olympic lifters. This actually first got studied in Olympic lifters or Olympic athletes, because, you know, they train four years for this one moment, and then after that, it's gone, and then they go through, like, depression because they don't know what to do with their lives. As powerlifters, we kind of go through that, and I see that a lot of people as, like, just f- fitness people, they go through that. Like, like people who are into weight loss, I've had so many clients who tell me like, yo, I want to get to like a 28 inch waist and they get to a 28 inch waist and they're just like, Oh wow. Like I'm here, but like, it doesn't feel like I'm here. Like it doesn't feel like how I thought I wanted it to. And I think that's because people, they attach their happiness to the results when the true happiness comes in the process of it, like the lifestyle of it, like the day in and day out, like grind.
0: I love that. And there's always got to be that next thing, right? I mean, it, it's so true in, in all aspects of life as well. It's like you, you, we all think that we want that thing. And then when you get it, it's great. You celebrate for the moment, you know, you get shredded. You post that one picture on Instagram, you get a bunch of likes and like, and then what? No, you still gotta, like, you, you still gotta live the rest of your life. There's still things that have to be done. And so always having that sort of next goal is, is extremely important. I don't know if you watch that movie. Uh, it's a Disney movie that came out recently. It's called soul
1: Oh no no! I was gonna
0: so definitely a good movie to watch for anyone listening. But it's about a a musician and so he's sort of very long story short reaches his goal of of playing this one gig with this other uh, musician and then he says, "Oh, I you know I'm not that like I'm not that happy like that was an amazing performance whatever, but that's not it. I thought this would be better. I'm, I'm you know I'm looking for I think the quote was something like I'm looking for the ocean," and he's like, "Well, you're you're in it. This is it. You have to. It's about enjoying the journey. It's not about getting that end goal." And then you just, there's nothing left, right?
1: Yeah. And then the, the thing about like, um, for example, like problems, like the, l- people think that the goal is to like live a life with no problems. A lot of people think like, Hey, once I get to like these fitness goals, like my life is going to be amazing. It's going to be perfect. Or once I make six figures in my business, like life is perfect. But the thing about it is that like problems will always exist. Like you'll always have issues. You'll always like, you'll, you'll never actually be like 100% truly happy. I actually disagree that pe- people think like you should find like true happiness. Like I, I, that's impossible. The goal shouldn't be to like find a life with no problems. The goal should be to reach, to have a life where you're dealing with problems that you love, right? That you are willing to like deal with. So for example, right? Like my, one of my biggest goals was I wanted to buy a Tesla Tesla vehicles is like my favorite vehicles. And when I finally reached this goal of buying this Tesla, like a whole new set of problems came along with that. Like now I have to find a freaking charging station. Now I have to like keep my white interior, like even more clean than like my other car. Like now, like I have to buy all these like little things to it. I have to keep it more clean than ever. And like, I, I used to think that, Hey, once I get this Tesla, like life is set, I never have to pay for gas again. Like I have my dream car, but no, like all these problems come along with it. And that's kind of like fitness too, like with, your body is that once you get to these like six pack abs, the problems and the issues and the hard work doesn't stop. I think that it's harder to maintain it than it is to get there. Not because like training has to change, but it's just because now you have like no idea what to do with your life. Like, what do you do after you reach your dreams? You know?
0: Yeah. The motivation is just not, it's just not there. Like physiologically, it's probably easier to just kind of keep it there, but it's, it's actually doing the things. And it's the consistency because we don't realize when you think of it like now, you don't realize that, okay, it might take you a year to get abs, but then, you know, it takes you a year to get abs and you're 30 years old. Well, what are you going to do from the time you're 30 till you're 60? Like that's 30 years it took you a year of work to get there, but now you got to maintain that for 30 years. That's the, that's the hardest part. And I think a lot of the weight loss stuff, I mean, we know that it, it mostly comes down to the, to the nutrition side of things. People get very excited about the workouts that they're doing and, and, and all these kinds of stuff. And they think, oh, I'm working out a couple times a week. Why am I not losing weight? And but you're not being consistent with your nutrition. And it's harder because you have to eat more often. It's every day. It's several times a day rather than your workout where you just show up and your coach has programmed it for you. You just got to go through the motions, right?
1: Yeah, for sure. Yeah. Nutri- nutrition, I would say is the, the hardest like part for people to get into just because social life is going to be like your hardest thing. Like, It's easy to just go to take take an hour out of your day to go to the gym, but then those other 23 hours, you're, like, dealing with your parents cooking, like, this food. You're dealing with, like, your girlfriend who wants to go out to eat. You're dealing with your friends who want to go out to eat on the weekends. You're dealing with, like, people who are talking trash and who are saying, like, oh, you don't need to, like, go to – you don't need to go to the gym to lose weight. Or look at me. I'm already skinny and I don't go to the gym. Like – that's hard to like have to like maneuver through those people who are like going to try to bring you down for the other 23 hours that you're at the gym. I think that's what, that's the hardest part. It's not necessarily that people like lack of discipline. It's just that there's so many of these other like little obstacles and a lot of people around you who are, who are making it tough for you. Uh, there, there's this, this term called the Kermit or the Hermit, yeah, the Kermit bodybuilder, like the bodybuilder who literally just like, sh- like, like, uh, runs away from life, just stays like in his apartment all day, never goes out, doesn't see anybody and just like diets. And that's what a lot of bodybuilders do. Like they, when they prepare for like a bodybuilding show, they'll, they won't hang out with their friends. They won't see their family. They won't go out there just stay inside eating all their meals. And just the only time they'll ever go out is to get their workout in. And that's it. Cause, and it sucks. It's not, that's, I'm not saying that that's the life you should live, but that is like the, one of the quickest way to get results.
0: Yeah. That's definitely the difference between like uh, high performance being the best at that thing and and living a regular life. If you're trying to you know win a bodybuilding show, yeah, there's that's a huge sacrifice that you probably have to make to avoid all of those other crazy uh, temptations. But for most of us, we're not trying to get to you know three percent body fat and and look huge on stage, so it's not it's obviously not necessary. But finding that balance is certainly still a challenge.
1: Yeah, yeah, for sure. And any any sport, any activity, any hobby that you get into, if you really get into it, like there's gonna be some type of sacrifice. Like let's like let's say for example, you were you wanted to get into like arts and crafts. Like every time that you have to uh, like uh, draw a new painting you have to go buy like a new canvas you have to get new brushes all the time like your your hands are probably going to start to cramp from like all the drawing and stuff like that like if you were to, if you were to get into bodybuilding you would have to like not go out for like 6 months to to and not drink you have to stay on your diet if you were to get into powerlifting like you have to be ready for like 3 to 4 hour workouts on some days you know like anything anytime you you get into any hobby it's going to require some type of sacrifice if you want to be the absolute best at it
0: this is another kind of concept that I've been playing around with over the last little while is that we can we can achieve, you know, n- n- pretty well everything in life, but we're gonna we'll get not as woo-woo there, but in fitness, even you can get whatever fitness goals you want. But it's about are you willing to actually do the things that are necessary to get that? It's easy to see that picture on Instagram or on a magazine of the, the that guy or girl with chiseled abs. But do you know the things that they did to get that? If you do, are you willing to do those things? If not, then that by default cannot be your goal because you, you won't get there.
1: Yeah, man. It's, it's just like running a business. Like a lot of people think like, oh, you, you have a business and then all of a sudden like you're working less hours and like you're on this yacht and you're just like re- reading books all day. Like y- if you want to b- build a business, you better be ready to work like hundred hour weeks. That's like the only way that it'll, it'll get taken off. And if you, if you don't see yourself working a hundred hour weeks and like not going out on vacations for the first two years of your business, then like, then good. You're, you're fit for this lifestyle. You're, you're on, you'll be a great entrepreneur. It's, if you don't see yourself going, if you don't see yourself, uh, going on like a low carb diet for like six weeks to reach your abs, then like you probably won't ever get abs, you know, like you just have to, you have to, You're like you said, you have to see what you're willing to sacrifice. And then that's how you'll know if you're able to get there.
0: One, one question that I get a lot from clients is and, and, you know, more very new clients is like, Oh, when does it get easier? When I see you do it, when you demonstrate such and such exercise, it looks so easy. How do you, how do you answer that question?
1: Yeah. I always say it never gets easier. It's just that we learn to, we learn to deal with it a little bit better. And then on top of that, like it should, you shouldn't want it to get easy. Once it gets easy, it gets boring. Like if you, if you reach a 500 squat, And you're trying to get to a 600 pound squat. Sure. You're still like pro you're still doing like programming methods. You're still working on your form, but then you have to start approaching it from like a different aspect of things, like a different level of things. And that's when it gets fun. Like is the fun part in it is trying to like figure it all out. So for anybody who uh, is into powerlifting, Bryce Lewis, he's, he's, he was my old coach. He has this really cool, like Instagram series right now where it's ta- it talks about psychology and powerlifting. And every day he's like posting these, these little tidbits of things that you can do to approach powerlifting in like the different type of, in a different type of way. You know, most people just approach it from like programming or nutrition. He's talking about now the psychology aspect of it and what elite athletes do to like approach like their day-to-day situations. So that's like something that you could start doing once you become an advanced athlete. But again, that's like also kind of difficult. If you're not used to doing some of these like other things, like it's hard. It's no different than when you were a beginner and you were first trying to learn the squat.
0: Yeah. The same thing that took you from uh, squatting the bar to squatting 135 is not going to take you from squatting 400 to 500. And it's not going to take you from squatting 700 to 800, right? It, as things progress and get more difficult in, in fitness and in business and in life, the, the demands to keep increasing get more as you get closer to that maximum potential.
1: Yeah, yeah, ex- exactly. So for, for one of my clients who's, uh, his name is Jeremy McMillan. He is a 622 pound deadlift, uh, deadlifter. He's a, he holds the California state record for the 40 year olds in, in California. And, um, he's always like has to stay on top of like his, uh, like his self myofascial release, like self body care. So like at least once a week he has to go get like massages. And like, that is, that's like a chore, you know, like that's a chore for him. He just wants to go to the gym and like lift weights. Now, like he has to go to see a massage therapist at least like once a week. But again, it's like no different than that person who first started off saying like, Hey, I have to get myself up to go to the gym. You know, like then once you get into the gym and you reach this other level, like those, those uh, tasks and like new habits that you have to form, they don't change. You just start building upon that.
0: Yeah. And, and getting started to build those habits and make them consistent is certainly the, uh, the most difficult, the most difficult part. And the psychology plays into a lot of it as to what your true motivations are. Something that I often realize, especially in weight loss clients is people will come in and say, Oh, I want to lose weight. I, I want to get skinny for summer or you know, whatever. And then I always ask why, and like multiple times why, because usually it's not just about Oh, I want to lose weight. There's always some deeper, something that has nothing to do with aesthetics or, or fitness or health at all. It's just some other thing in their life. And once we can sort of make that connection as coaching and client and they can actually verbalize it and understand it themselves, then the motivation becomes like much more powerful.
1: Yep. 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 Yeah, dude, for sure. And what I've, what I've learned is that, uh, that the deeper reason, like the, why on um, like why people like want to get in shape is like seriously it's because most people just want to be loved most people just want to like have some type of attention like sure we a lot of us do get into the gym because like we want to get more girls right like we want somebody to be attracted to us and sure eventually we end up we end up loving it and it ends up becoming like a hobby in itself but at the end of the day like we we also we're human and we love like hearing somebody say like hey you're strong like So you're, you have a nice body, like, right. Like we're increasing our value as a person. And then when you increase your value, you end up attracting like-minded individuals who are also trying to get to like higher heights, you know, like if you're somebody who doesn't go to the gym and all you do is sit around, like, like doing drugs and eating a lot of food, right. Like that's the type of people you're going to attract. And then you're not going to really end up getting anywhere. But if all of a sudden you say, Hey, I want to get abs. I want to get a business. I want to live a happier life. I eventually want to travel. And like, you start attracting people like that, you're going to get to those goals. So ultimately I think that's why most people like want to get into the gym. They want to become better people and they want to attract overall better people. And yeah, they just want to like, you know, feel good about themselves.
0: Yeah. And it, and it always has to make you feel good about you. Like that external validation from someone else, it only goes so far. And I think that a lot of people, you know, like you said, we go to the gym to sort of look good, to impress a guy or girl, whatever. And then, you know, you start to attract that attention and it feels good, but you know, you might get that body that you've always dreamed of. And then it's like, well, hold on. I'm still not like truly happy. Like that wasn't, that wasn't it. It's definitely got me part of the way there, but it's not, it's not it. And I think the other, on a comedic note, the funny side of that, and any young guy who's been going to the gym for a appreciable amount of time will, will know this is that you go to the gym to start, you know, building up your body to attract girls. And, you know, you, you get jacked, whatever it is. And the only people who are commenting (laughs) or complimenting you are other dudes in the gym. Hey, you're looking big, bro. (laughs) And that's almost like a a bigger ego boost when like the big guy in the gym is, is telling you that you're looking good.
1: Yeah, for sure. I, I've, I've had more experiences like that where it's like a dude complimenting you than like a girl and stuff like that. And that's just, cause that's just how it is. Like girls aren't going to like, most girls aren't going to like comment on your Instagram saying like, Hey, nice abs. They'll tell you like in, in person and stuff like that. Right. But uh, yeah, if, it, if you're looking to get into shape for that reason, like you're just going to have thinking like you're going to get hundreds of comments from girls, like a, you either have to have like one of the craziest physiques right or be like you you have to realize that you're only gonna get that from dudes and then behind like closed doors is when girls will tell you that
0: <laughs> yeah and I think and I think part of the reason for it is because no one really cares that much about your aesthetics if it's part of your your job your model or something then fine but other than that it's the guy who's ahead of you the big guy or, or, or the girl that's in really good shape or whatever that's complimenting you who are a little bit behind them they understand what you're going through because they've been it they were in your shoes a couple of years ago and so they're saying hey like good on you. Like, keep it up. You're you're like, you're on the path kind of thing. And that's where that, I think that is why that those kind of compliments actually feel a lot better than just someone telling you like, like, Hey, you're attractive.
1: Yeah, for sure. For sure. I agree. And and you know, what, what is interesting too, is, uh, I feel like I'm starting to kind of like just see a shift into like in the world almost where I feel like more people are becoming like health conscious and more people are starting to care about like their, their body. And I don't think that's necessarily a bad thing. I mean, obviously like there is going to be some negatives to that, but I think with the whole, with the pandemic, everybody kind of realized like, man, I'm going to gain a lot of weight if I'm not going to the gym and I'm just like ordering all this Postmates and people started becoming more like self-conscious kind of being like in their, in their like house and their bed all day, you know, with their alone, with their thoughts. So post pandemic, I saw like a huge influx in clients because people were just like all, all, everybody was just like super concerned with like losing all their weight as opposed to before. Like I'd get that huge influx of, of like clients in like January. Now it's like March, April, May, June, July. It's like ever ever since the pandemic because a lot of people started like worrying more about their body.
0: For sure. I think a lot of people uh, realize that their health has to be within their own control and they have to take ownership of that and, and for better or worse have experienced negative uh, health implications over the past year. And we're, we haven't seen that that bump we in Toronto, just because again, things are still shut down. Um, but but we did see it when we were open a little bit in the summer where people want to get back into it. And one thing that I did want to speak to you about a little bit is getting back out into the world. So you know things are going to open up. We're all going to want to go see each other socially again, but we're also trying to get back into shape. So you came up with an ebook recently about helping people to eat out and still maintain their health goals or, or reach their health goals. So Talk to me a little bit about that and how you kind of marry those two things, because having that social life and seeing people again, post pandemic is very important, but not at the sacrifice of your health.
1: Yeah. So the biggest obstacle that you're going to come across in your weight loss journey and your fitness journey is your social life, right? Like I said earlier, it's easy to go to the gym for one hour a day, but those other 23 hours, you're going to come across a lot of friends and family members are trying to go out and have fun. Right. And you're human too. You're going to want to go out and experience, experience life. You're going to want to travel. You're going to want to go like bar hopping. You're You're going to want to go try out those cool Instagram food, foodie places. Right. And you, a lot of people want to figure out like, how do, how do I have that balance? How do I lose weight and still enjoy all of those things? So in, in this book, I talk about how you can pretty much do, do both of them. The way to do that is you have to figure out what is your caloric intake that you need to maintain your weight. Then if you're trying to lose weight, we have to work backwards. You have to think like, Hey, how much weight do you want to lose a week? Right. And if you want to lose the minimum amount, that's, which is like about a pound a week, that's, what's going to allow you to kind of be able to still go out to these places. If you wanted to lose about three pounds a week, you probably won't be able to go out as much and as frequently. Right. Then when you do go to these places, you have to choose the right meals just because you like let's say have 1800 calories to play with, that doesn't mean that you can blow those 1800 calories on like burger and fries. You still have to hit a set macronutrient target of protein, carbs, and fats. So I talked to people in this book about how they can go to these restaurants, make the right food choices, and ultimately like accept the fact that the reason why you want to go out to a lot of these places isn't because you want to necessarily try the food. It's because you want to be in the presence of like your family and your loved ones, right? Like you really are there just there to like hang out like have something to do. Whenever you look back on like a lot of your memories, you're not going to necessarily look back and think, oh man, like that was some really cool tater tots. I tried that one time. Like, no, you're going to look back and say, oh man, like I had such a good time that night with my friends. We had great conversations. We really got to know each other well. Like we met other people. Like, so when you really think about it, like the food isn't really the most important part. Unless you're in Chicago and you're trying their pizza because Chicago <laughs> pizza is the best.
0: <laughs> I haven't, uh, I haven't had it, but I've, I've been to Italy a couple of times, so I will contest that, but, okay. but um, no, I totally agree with you, man. I mean, uh, a lot of the, and again, this is all highlighted by, by COVID uh, again, for better or worse, you know, we have uh, Uber Eats and whatever millions of delivery services. So you can still get all that junky food in your home, but it's not fun when you're just eating a, a burger and fries by yourself. Like it's, it's fun when you go, when you go with your buddies or you're with your friends for, for, um, any type of meal to experience that together. And the food is just something you're doing. The, the unfortunate part is that it does take away or it can take away if you're doing it with your eyes closed from your nutritional and fitness goals.
1: Yeah, yeah, exactly, man. Like when you, so when you go out to these places and stuff like that, like, let's say if your friends want to go out to like get some wings and stuff, right? Like wings are carbs or it's a little bit of carbs, mostly protein and fats. So what you do then is you just like take away earlier on in the, in the day, like some proteins and fats. Then when you go there, just have some like water and stuff like that. And then you're going to be fine. Like you like everything, everything is still, you're still going to go out there and you're going to have fun. And you're going to be with your friends, like having good conversations. And then you'll realize like, Oh wow, this is actually not that hard. You don't have to like go and pig out and binge every time you go out to like a restaurant.
0: Yeah, and it doesn't it doesn't have to be like overwhelmingly complicated. There is like a little bit of a sacrifice that you have to make cuz yeah, if you want to go and have that meal of wings and whatever, then you've got to adjust your eating in the rest of the day or the day before, the day after, whatever to maintain that deficit. And that's the sacrifice again that someone's just you have to be willing to make that. You can't be not willing to make the sacrifice and and want the end result of it.
1: Yeah, yeah, exactly. Uh it's funny. I always sometimes go out with a lot of my friends and like we'll we'll order something And then they'll be like full. They'll be like, oh man, like I cannot eat anything more, but we got to have dessert. And I'm all like, no, like we don't have to have dessert. Like why? We already feel good. And then they're just like, yeah, you're right. (laughs) Like sometimes people just eat just to like eat. Like it's not, you're you're not even hungry. You just want to like, you just want to do it just to like have something to do. And yeah, once you kind of like realize that and like you say it out loud, you're just like, oh yeah, I guess you're right.
0: (laughs) Yeah. It doesn't have to be overly complicated. And I think one thing just to clarify here in case anybody misinterprets this is that what you're not saying is that you should go out and eat wings every day or, or go out and eat junk food every day. It's just that, and you can go out to a restaurant and eat healthy, but you still got to do it with your eyes open. So you can enjoy all these foods and they can still fit in part of your fat loss or whatever goals you have. It doesn't necessarily mean it's optimal or that it's healthy, but it's still getting the job done in, in a sort of holistic manner.
1: Yeah. So I go about following the uh, 80, 20 rule where it's like 80% of the time you're going to be eating healthy 20% of the time you can go out and like get something, something to eat. But I, I always recommend to my clients, like once I teach them these like methods of like how to track your macros and stuff like that and how to fit in junk food in there, I always tell them like only use it like when, like necessary only go out to eat like if it's for a reason you know like don't go out to eat because it's like your brother's dog's birthday you know like don't blow your macros on that but if it's like let's say your wife's like and or you and your wife's anniversary, like that's a okay reason to like go out to like this place and try to fit macros in. Like make sure that if you're going out, it's for a good reason. Otherwise, like just stay on your like actual diet that you follow your round of like healthy, like minimally processed, like I guess organic foods and stuff.
0: Yeah. I think one thing that people I get this question often from from clients and from others is like, oh well you're a you're a coach, you're a fitness trainer, like you're a you know, whatever you don't even eat pizza. You don't even eat that stuff. And I'm like, well, hold on a second. I promise you, I enjoy those things just as much, if not more than you do. And it's almost because I don't have them that often. So when I do have it, I enjoy the hell out of it, but I'm not having it all the time.
1: Yeah. It's like, um, I, I had somebody who wants to tell me this, that I'm in shape because I'm a trainer, but I told them, no, I am a trainer because, or er, how how does that phrase go pretty much basically saying that like people think that just because we're trainers like we're in shape but no we were able to become trainers because we did that work you know what i mean people think that oh like we're trainers so all of a sudden it just comes easy to us but no it's like that we we put in that work and we went through all those things and we were able to get successful so that's how we're able to start teaching into to to everybody else like but the hard work that we put in and the the hard work that we experienced it's no different than like the pain that you feel I crave pizza just like anybody else. And like when my stomach grumbles, it hurts just like anybody else's.
0: Yeah. It's just like you realize over time that it's not worth blowing your calories on it. If you have it too many too often, you enjoy it less. And then it's just not serving your purpose. And so you end up in this conundrum where it's like, well, I'm trying to reach you know, X goal, but I'm doing, you know, Y activities. And these are just, I'm going two different directions here and I'm not making progress at either of them. And then I'm just feeling bad about not making progress. And then I'm just going to eat more to, to overcome that. And it's just a whole like vicious cycle downwards.
1: Yeah. Yeah. That's funny. Exactly.
0: Yeah. It's funny, man. It's um, it's an interesting, it's a really interesting thing, but I think that that ebook will really help people navigating. I know that um, in Toronto, again, things are starting to open up and, and elsewhere in the U S things are much more open than they are now as people are coming out of this. And it will be a really important resource for people to, to utilize, to get control of all of this stuff.
1: Yeah, man, for sure. That That's why I made it too, because like, I, I realized that as much as I love like fitness and like getting a nice body, like, I don't want to miss out on life. I still want to make a lot of friends. I still want to go out to places, but fitness is like really, really important for me too. So, like, I don't want to be like that bodybuilder who is like super jacked and buff, but like, they've never even like gone outside of their city, you know? So I feel like once you realize that you can have both of those things, you can have a life and you can have like a good body. Like that's the ultimate like key to happiness, you know, like now you're going to look good. You're going to feel good. And you're going to be able to like experience all of these memories and you're going to have a cool photo. You're going to be able to sit by that beach and show off your abs. Like, what else can you want? <laughs> yeah,
0: I think that's I think that's such like a beautiful thing for people to realize. And and you can, people will hear this and they'll say, oh, yeah, yeah, Juan and, and Daniel said that. Great. But you have to realize this for yourself. Like you can you've heard this before. This is not brand new words that you're hearing, but you have to realize this for yourself and come to this realization by just doing the work.
1: Yeah, man, that's all it is. Just get in there outlast the competition, you know, just don't, don't even think about it too much. Just like go in the gym. And even when you don't feel like going, as long as you went in there and you did something like it's better than not doing anything.
0: Yeah. I love it, man. I love it. And I think that's a great place to end this. I don't want to take up too much of your time. Why don't you tell us where, where can people find the ebook first of all, and I'll put the links and whatever in the, in the notes of this, but where can people find it?
1: So people can find it on Juan or they can find it on the the link in the bio of my Instagram, which is the underscore chosen Juan one on my Instagram.
0: Okay, awesome. And where exactly are you located again? If people are in your area, want to train in in person?
1: So I'm in uh, Southern California, uh, Southern California in the Costa Mesa area. Uh, about like it's kind of like a few miles away from Orange, Anaheim area, Santa Ana. I coach from people from all over this lo- this part of the city.
0: Awesome. Love it, man. This has been uh, really fun. Thank you so much for coming on. I've really enjoyed this. Is there anything else that you want to leave the people with in closing?
1: Yeah. I just want to tell everybody that, man, keep listening to this podcast because this podcast is freaking awesome. I had a lot of fun. You got a good thing going, man. And I think your podcast is going to be really successful.
0: Much appreciated, brother. I, I really appreciate that. We're, we're doing the work and step-by-step step we'll get there. Consistency and outlasting, right? Sure. Hell yeah. All right. Take care, one. Bye everybody. Thank you so much. Well, that was just fantastic. Uh, one of the things that always happens with these podcasts is I think that they're super helpful and have so much value. But on a personal individual level, I have this huge boost of energy or I don't even know what to call it, but it just fires me up having these amazing conversations with like-minded people. And even if they weren't like-minded, but having these really great conversations really kind of, it just fires me up and makes me feel so good. And so like, yes, my my brain is sort of tired after focusing and like being on, so to speak, for an extended period of time. But really, my energy has just boosted so much. And I think that there's so much value in these conversations. So I'm having so much fun doing this, even though uh, I was a little bit... Not worried, but maybe apprehensive or or just a little bit concerned because Juan is not someone I know. So I was like, oh, well, what if we get stuck? And then I realized, no, I can keep talking for forever as I keep rambling for forever just to do this little outro. And, you know, coaches can keep talking for forever. And when there's good stuff to talk about, you never run out of useful information to deliver. So I had a really great time. Thank you so much, as always, for your time and attention. It is greatly appreciated. I will put all of Juan's contact info in the show notes of this as he mentioned it. Um, briefly just in closing there. And if you're not following me on Instagram as well, that's definitely a great place to connect with me. At Daniel Yoris is my Instagram handle. Feel free to reach out to me with any questions or help you may need. And while you're at it, if you haven't subscribed to the podcast yet and left a review on iTunes, please do both of those things. It really goes a long way in helping the show grow and getting the message out there to help more people. So that's all. We'll chat soon. Take it easy.